You're listening to the World Watch Weekly Podcast by Open Doors Canada. Since 1955, when Brother Andrew went behind the Iron Curtain for the first time, Open Doors has been strengthening Christians where faith costs the most. In this podcast, we share stories and updates from persecuted Christians, analyze current persecution trends, and always bring it back to prayer. We hope that this helps you to feel more connected to your persecuted family. Here's today's episode. Hi, welcome back to the World Watch Weekly Podcast from Open Doors Canada, the podcast where we help you pray for your persecuted family. I'm Jared here as always. I'm here with a special guest. This is Gary Stagg, Executive Director of Open Doors Canada. He's joining me for a special episode of the podcast. We're going to get into a question that one of our listeners sent into. Uh, but before that, I'm going to get Gary to introduce himself just a little bit. Gary's been the Director of Open Doors Canada since 2017. Prior to that, he spent over 30 years in pastoral ministry across Canada, including uh, Ottawa area, Montreal area, Regina area, and more. Gary, could you tell us a little bit about how you first got connected with Open Doors and how you eventually joined the team? Yes, uh, 20, 20 some years ago, I actually came across a prayer calendar from Open Doors Canada. And um, I picked it up, I had never seen it before. And I picked it up and I, my eyes were open basically to uh, the reality of persecution in our world. I, mm-hmm. my, I didn't know. I mean, I knew there was persecution of Christians, obviously, but uh, I didn't know the extent to, you know, to which it was. And so um, I decided then that I would start praying for persecuted Christians. And so I used the Open Doors um, daily prayer calendar and did that, and then also I happened to know the direct, the previous director, the guy before me, and uh, he actually was started attending my church, um, and um, and from that the relationship grew. I attended several prayer conferences by Open Doors Canada. I traveled with Open Doors Canada into a restricted country, and uh, so my. Uh, desire to pray and my love for the persecuted church grew from there mm-hmm. to the point where um, when um, the former director was tragically killed in a motorcycle accident, I was approached to uh, step in and, and take over. And it just felt right at the time. Mm-hmm. And we're thankful you did. <laughs> uh, the Open Doors prayer calendar, by the way, is a resource we still produce every month. You can download it on our website and it gives you special prayer requests every single day to help you pray for your persecuted family. It's been changing lives for over 20 years. So join us for that. Uh, Gary, we want to get into a discussion today about Open Doors work around the world, specifically the logistics of it. We have a question that one of our listeners sent in. Uh, I'm going to read it here. Um, it's a couple paragraphs here, but this is what they asked. The prayer calendar, which we've already mentioned, there you go. The prayer calendar asks for prayer on behalf of, quote, Open Doors Partners, end quote. It would be interesting for us listeners to learn more about Open Doors Partners. Who are they? Is that one believer in a community? Would it be one specific church in a community or region? Is it more vaguely a local church where need has arisen? Is it an organization in a country? Is the relationship casual or is it defined in long term? It would be interesting to understand a bit more about these partners and how your aid, encouragement, and support actually gets to the people who need it. Learning more about the challenges that these partners have and being in a relationship with Open Doors would be interesting, but also allow for more knowledgeable prayer. So we're going to get into that. It's an extensive question, but we'll mm-hmm. uh, uh, first of all, I just want to ask a little more broadly, maybe for some of our listeners who aren't familiar uh, with Open Doors quite as much, could you explain to us just a little bit about Open Doors' mandate in general and how we seek to fulfill that mandate? Then I'll get into the specifics of the logistics of that. So our mandate is to strengthen 
persecuted Christians around the world where faith costs the most. And uh, we basically go to the most persecuted mm -hmm. in the world and do our work. And um, so, you know, that, that that's what we attempt to do is to strengthen the church right where they are so that they can remain as the salt and light of Jesus Christ. We're not an organization that focuses on refugees where we're trying to bring people out of countries. However, you know, we do work with trusted organizations. If that need arises, we're able to work with other organizations and get them funneled into those that can help them. Uh, but generally speaking, we're there to strengthen the church where it is. Yeah. Yeah, our goal is to see the church grow and thrive in every country on earth rather than remove the church right. from that. Um, we're going to get into that a little bit more in just a minute. But so can you can explain uh, logistically a little bit about what it means to be an Open Doors partner? So we referenced the prayer calendar. If our listeners read the blog regularly or really get any other communications from Open Doors, you may have heard references to Open Doors partners doing such and such a ministry or such and such a project. So what exactly does it mean to be an Open Doors partner? Well, an Open Doors partner could be uh, someone, it could be a person, um, uh, a, a trusted church leader, for instance, it could be a trusted pastor of a church. It could be a church itself. It could be a business, a Christian business person in the country. There are many different expressions of what partner means. Um, and we seek to work alongside these partners in the field. Um, and when I say the field, that's the places where we are on the ground, actually doing the work, strengthening Christians, helping them um, you know, in ways that they're, they, they're asking for help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just on that note, how many countries in the world does Open Doors work in? We work in more than 70 countries around the world. Yeah. Um, that's amazing. So why is it necessary then for Open Doors to have partners as opposed to doing the work just ourselves? Like what, what does it mean? What's the difference between an Open Doors partner doing something and Open Doors okay. doing something? Yeah, so uh, to clarify a little bit more, I would say we do have field directors and we also have um, country managers. And so you will have a director that oversees a certain part of the world and in that there will be open doors uh, people, mm -hmm. uh, employees that manage different countries. Those people seek out the partners and so they will look for those trusted people that they can work with, they keep their uh, ears open, their eyes open to the needs in the country. And when they hear of anything uh, that, you know, is along the lines of persecution in that country, then they seek ways that they can come alongside and help. Mm -hmm. And that's usually through one of these partners mm -hmm. that we, we use. And the reason we try to work through partners in a given country is because we don't want to be coming in and saying, here's what you need to do. Right. Here is how the church needs to thrive, but rather we want the church in a given context uh, to be able to do the work themselves because they're the ones who know the, the culture and the language and the needs and, and all that kind of mm -hmm. thing. As does the partners, right? The partners in country, uh, that's the beautiful thing of it. They know and they're already trusted by the Christians yeah. and they know exactly how it should be done. Yes. More than an organization coming from the outside, you know, saying, here, move over, we know what you need, we'll do it for you. That's exactly and it. And the other beautiful thing about that is that it makes it makes for a very agile 
organization. Yeah. So that when things happen, like a pandemic, for instance, where you know organizations have to pull away from the field, pull yeah. away from countries, we can continue our work because we're working with people that are still there on the ground. The only challenge sometimes is getting the resources to them, getting the money to them. Um, you know, and that that's for another whole episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But if we had to boil it down to uh, to ascendance, it might be trying working with a church or, or a church leader to say, what do you need to thrive in your local context? And we will support you in achieving that right. goal. Um, I wonder if you maybe have a, a concrete example of, of one project or, or one church partner that, that we're working with that our listeners can hear about. Well, I think uh, the one that comes to mind, readily to mind, is um, the church in Syria, which, you know, the history of Syria for the past 10, 11 years, they've been in war, in a state of war, and uh, with that, many Christians have fled the country. Mm -hmm. uh, the church has been weakened, in a sense, in some ways, in numbers. Um, the people are still living in war-torn areas. But what we've seen and what we've been able to help with, coming alongside of pastors and churches in particular, we are able to, uh, we've been able to set up what we call centers of hope. And so that, that means basically a church says, we want to be a center of hope. And so we will come alongside of them, discern what the need of the community is. And, and it's things like that are very practical. For instance, one church, operates as a bakery, mm -hmm. and they provide baked goods, bread mostly, to the whole community. And so they're helping to sustain that whole community, whether it's Christians or non-Christians or whatever they are. Yeah. Anybody can come yeah. and receive help in the center of hope. Uh, so they've, they've basically, churches have transformed themselves into these real missional communities to the point where when we had the earthquake, in Syria just a little while ago, yeah. in Syria and in Turkey, um, we heard right away the next day that uh, people in the community, because they didn't feel safe in their house anymore, they went immediately to the mm -hmm. church, and that's where they slept. And yeah. the church looked after them because they felt this is a safe place, they can trust these people, and it's because of the relationship that the center of hope has developed with the community. Mm -hmm. So it's a beautiful example of really what churches really should be, even in North America, yeah. that, you know, that we reach out to the community in these practical ways and really show the love of Jesus Christ in, in very practical ways. So I think that's, a, that's the best example that I can think yeah, of. We've absolutely. got lots more examples, of course, but that one, I think. Syria is also a really good example of what you were talking about earlier, about helping the church uh, grow in their context rather than leave because the church in Syria is shrinking because of the refugee crisis um, But one of our goals is to help what church there is left there grow and thrive because The more people who leave the smaller the church gets and that's we, we want it to be a, a real opportunity for the church yeah. to grow which yeah the amazing thing too though is that you know there are there are it, when you talk to the people that are part of these centers of hope and stuff they feel a real calling to it. They've had opportunities to leave, yep. but they say, no, we, we can't leave because we want the church to stay alive. Yep. And um, we feel that this is the ministry that God has given us. Yep. And 
beautiful. And that's what creates an ideal partnership with Open Doors, is the church is devoted to strengthening the church in their context. And Open Doors says, great, how can we help? Exactly. Yeah, and that's a beautiful thing. Uh, Gary, one question that uh, I sometimes get, and maybe you do too, um, is the question of how we can partner with churches in very closed countries, specifically North Korea. That's usually the one that gets uh, the most attention because it's so closed off. Um, A country like Syria that has established churches, even if there is persecution, is one thing. What about a country like North Korea, where even the idea of owning a Bible is illegal? What does it mean to be uh, partnered with the church in North Korea? Mm. Well, you know, again, one of the problems with all of this, with our communications, is is that there are certain things that we can talk about and certain things that we can't talk about. So if I sound vague, you'll know it's um, because I'm being careful in what I can say because I don't want to get anybody into trouble, right? right? So with North Korea, that it is a challenging work. It is a very challenging work. And oftentimes, um, the work in North Korea is, or in, Korea, in North Korea is done, you know, along the border of North Korea, yeah. right? You know, and it's people that are trying to get out of North Korea that have successfully maybe crossed the river or whatever. And um, there are you know, the help is there for them. And it, but again, we have people that go back <laughs> and we have those trusted partners again who are at, at great risk to, to their lives reaching out to these believers where they can find them. Yeah. And oftentimes it's believers that are meeting, you know, uh, to worship in a cave or somewhere like that. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's very tricky stuff for sure. Yeah. But um, yeah. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, I mean, it, it has to be vague yeah. at times, but it, yeah. North Korea is, is just a very interesting case because like you say, a lot of our work is with people who have already left from North Korea. Um, not entirely, but it is what makes it difficult. Yeah. Um, so the last thing I wanted to touch on, Gary, was uh, we talked about the centers of hope in Syria as a very practical way to reach out to a community in need. We've talked about the very secretive work of partnering with believers in Open Doors. Could you give us just a broad uh, explanation of a couple other ways that Open Doors supports churches and, and what other ways we partner with them um, to help them thrive? Sure. Uh, again, you know, I think the thing that I, I uh, that comes readily to mind, we, we help them in so many different ways. Yeah. And um, as I've mentioned, we don't go in and tell them what they need. We only respond to what they tell us they need. And oftentimes, what they need is some um, discipleship training on how they can um, approach persecution in a godly way, Mm -hmm. how they can respond to persecution in a godly way. And so we have, uh, you know, seminars, uh, we have uh, weekend events for Christians, uh, we have courses that take place, you know, over X number of weeks or however however wants to be structured in the local community. Um, And and we put on seminars, which basically help them to understand the theology of persecution and how, according to Scripture, we are to respond to it. And so it's to help strengthen their faith so that when more persecution comes, they're going to be ready for it. Mm-hmm. They're going to be more equipped to handle it. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, we have uh, a, one seminar that's been used for many years called Standing Strong Through the Storm. 
and we even have some Canadian brothers who go to the field to teach yeah. these courses, especially in areas where we see there's it, it appears that there's going to be an increase in persecution in the next number of years. Yeah. So it's a preventative type thing. Yeah. And again, this is all done by invitation of the church when they say this is what we need in, yeah. a, in our particular context. Uh, one thing that I, I have said uh, often in my time at Open Doors is that we can sometimes fall into the trap of thinking that when a church is fully strengthened, it will look like this vision of church that I have in my head, my own church or the North American church. And the reality couldn't be further from that. The church looks so vibrant and diverse in different ways, uh, given that Christianity is celebrated and practiced in every country on earth, including something like North Korea and including a war-torn country like Syria. It's a really beautiful thing. And Open Doors, uh, the ability to be a part of that is just super encouraging. Now, Gary, the one thing uh, that um, the persecuted church asks for when Open Doors comes in and says, what do you need? What's the number one thing they ask for? Um, always, without exception, they ask for prayer. Yeah, absolutely that. Yeah. Um, we make a habit on the podcast of closing in prayer uh, for the church around the world. I'm going to ask if you can pray for our brothers and sisters around the world, as well as for our listeners in the Canadian church as we seek to support them um, as brothers and sisters. Yeah, sure. Father, we come before you today in the precious name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to come side by side with our brothers and sisters around the world who suffer high levels of persecution. Thank you, Lord, that uh, um, they can know, as we pray, they can know that they are not alone and that they can be infused with hope, knowing that there are brothers and sisters, even in Canada, who lift them up in prayer on a daily basis. We pray for these brothers and sisters today, Lord, that you would just give them strength, that they would sense your presence in a real way, that they would know, Lord, that we are praying for them, and uh, that you would fill them with a peace that passes understanding. Lord, may you just flood their hearts and guard their minds right now with it. We thank you also, Lord, for um, the opportunity for us in Canada to stand with these brothers and sisters and help us to learn the lessons that we can learn from these brothers and sisters, Lord, of what it really means to live as a Christian in a world that's becoming increasingly hostile to the things of God. They have so much to teach us, and may you open our eyes, Lord, as we read their stories, as we uh, continue to pray for them, and as we consider the, the needs that they have, that you would help us, help our faith to be strengthened by what we're seeing in them. So, Father, just um, be with each brother and sister today, both in the persecuted church and in the church in, in, in Canada. Father, you know our needs, and so we lift them before you, and we pray that you would just uh, meet every need according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for being on the podcast today, Gary. Pleasure. It's wonderful to have you here. Thanks to the listeners who are sending in questions. If you have a question you'd like us to discuss on the podcast, you can send us an email at podcast at odcan.org or reach out via Instagram, Facebook, or any other social media at Open Doors Canada. We'll be back again next week with another episode of the World Watch Weekly Podcast. And until then, have a great week and God bless. God bless everyone. Thank you for joining us on the World Watch Weekly Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you know when our next episode is out. 
You can learn more about what persecuted Christians face and how you can help strengthen them on our social media at Open Doors Canada or at our website, opendoorscanada.org.